welcome to the At Peace Parents podcast. I'm Casey, and I'm here to empower you in your decision-making as a parent of a demand-avoidant child. My goal is to share insights that will generate aha moments and support your connection with your child. I'm a mom of two amazing little boys, one of whom is PDA, and I've worked with hundreds of parents just like you to teach them how to lead their child out of burnout and find the clarity, peace, and sense of community they need. You hate the holidays because you're raising a PDA child or teen. Guess what? I hate them too. (laughs) It's the worst time of the year for most families raising PDA children or teens, and I am similar. So my husband and I actually call the stretch between um, Halloween, which is coming up next week, and after my PDA son's birthday in January, the gauntlet in our family, because it's like there's this extra layer and level of escalation, activation, and demands placed on us societally, even if we as parents aren't putting those demands on our children. So today I'm going to kick off Coffee with Casey, hi everybody, with five tips for managing Halloween next week, and I'll do a longer live and podcast episode about the holidays in general good to see you guys. And we'll have time for questions today because I'm not going to yoga until noon. Okay. I think the most foundational shift we can make is shifting our perspective as parents from the Pinterest memory laden idea of what the holidays should be and actually shift it to being like, the holidays suck and they're going to be bad and it's going to be hard. And The kids are going to be more activated and it's not going to look like Pinterest at all. In fact, it's going to be the opposite. So for me, this mindset shift has surprisingly been a tough one because I have always loved the holidays. I've loved the traditions. I've loved the celebrations, all of the, you know, food and decorations. I was super into Halloween and Christmas, etc. as a kid. And I really just had to let that go of like, the best moments and memories of my years with my children will not be based around the holidays, okay? So that's a mindset shift. I am training myself, and this is a practice you can use too, to savor ordinary moments for 15 to 30 seconds. So what this might look like is like, I'm walking down the street and there's beautiful sunlight on the leaves and the trees and I'm walking with one of my kids. And so to train my brain away from negativity bias, I like try and breathe in that ordinary moment and savor it because research shows that you actually have to deliberately savor and put attention on a moment in order to combat the negativity bias where like you have 10 positive moments and one negative one and your brain will focus your survival brain will focus on the negative one so that's the first mindset shift of just like allow it to suck allow it to be bad expect that it will be bad and figure out ways that you can retrain yourself to not be viewing the holidays as the happy memories for your family The second thing I want to talk about, I sort of have this perspective of like holidays, lean in or opt out, no rules. Okay, so those are three things. You can either lean in to the dopamine, 
novelty and excitement in some ways, and you can opt out of other things. And then a reminder that there are no rules. But what that means is, especially for the latter two, the opting out and no rules, it means it has more to do with setting boundaries and managing other people's perceptions and judgment of you than your child. Okay, so the second thing, the dopamine and novelty. So as we know, one of the main things that can regulate and distract away from the nervous system of a PDA child or teen's constant threat perception is not dopamine and novelty. So uh, in one sense, um, the holidays can be regulating and exciting and distracting, right? So like all of the Halloween costumes, the decorations, the possibility for candy, things are a little bit different because maybe there's like a Halloween party and the houses on your block look different. So if you're observing that that excitement of the novelty is regulating, you can lean into it. So I'll explain some ways we've leaned into it in my home. So for example, with pumpkins, like we, granted, they're very cheap here in Michigan, like we will get and carve pumpkins every weekend, every month in October, right? Of just like leaning into that novelty and dopamine. Or we in the past have gone to Goodwill or a place that's, you know, where you can thrift and gotten multiple costumes, right? So you have that constant novelty rather than like picking a costume and sticking with it. Additionally, decorating the house, like from the dollar store, we've leaned into that dopamine and novelty. This might not be the case for your child, especially if they're in burnout, in which case, instead of leaning in, we opt out, right? So we can think of that as lowering demands, okay? So what are ways we have lowered demands? In the past, we have opted out of certain holidays entirely, just like we're not doing it. We're not doing the holiday because it's too activating, which really will require boundaries with other people in your life and managing your own discomfort of how people view you more than what you're doing with your child. Okay, but what are some simple ways when we are participating in Halloween, for example, that we have lowered demands? So we've had Halloweens where we've ridden in a car from house to house. We have pulled our son in a wagon and not expected him to walk from house to house. We have never expected him to say trick or treat or thank you. We have opted out of wearing costumes. Okay, so there's lots of ways that we can just lower the demands on our children if we're trick or treating. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Those are just some examples. We can decide, I would suggest, decide on boundaries ahead of time with your partner or with yourself about like, how much candy are you gonna let your child eat? Decide it beforehand of like, what level is gonna feel comfortable for your family? I know some of you have like allergies or other health issues that your children are dealing with. So like my approach to my son is gonna be very different, which might mean in my head, I'm like, okay, I'll probably let him eat like four to five pieces of candy during trick or treating right? The rule is not going to be stated and it's not going to be a rule. It's just what I'm going to do in response when I see him cross that four or five threshold, right? And so the difference between rules and boundaries, rules are like you tell the kid, hey, you can only eat four pieces of candy when you're trick-or-treating and it's stated aloud, it's inflexible, you have to reinforce it, reinforce it and it will activate your child because it will be a perceived loss of autonomy and you above them. 
which means activation. A boundary you can keep to yourself. It's flexible and it has to do with what you do in response to the moment, right? So you're not having that pre-activation. It doesn't mean they won't have a meltdown or activation when you do reinforce the boundary, but it will mitigate some of the activation that is particular to PDA um, neuroception. So things to think about are how much candy and how late they'll stay up. Then I would say fifth, remember the root cause of what's going on, right? So you guys all know like the dopamine search on Amazon where it's like buying new things all the time, right? So there's also the Amazon wait, which is like you order something on Amazon and then they're waiting for it. And then the, the excitement and the waiting is actually perceived in their limbic system, their survival brain as a loss of autonomy and like the weight itself being above them. W-A-I-T, wait. <laughs> and it activates the nervous system. So Halloween and holidays in general are Amazon waits on steroids, right? Like they're just waiting and waiting for this particular moment in time. It's a huge perceived loss of autonomy that's repeated and repeated. There's also all these societal expectations around like saying please and thank you, saying trick or treat, wearing a costume, that even if they're not reinforced by you, they're going to be perceived as a societal, expect, societal expectation where society is above them or not equal to them, which is activating. So what do we know from this? There's a couple ways we can mitigate this weight. We're not going to get rid of it entirely. I've had many, many families I've worked with who have um, practiced trick-or-treating, right? We've done this in our home months before Halloween, where it's like we actually get out the Halloween stuff and we just like play Halloween and we might even use real candy. But other families I know have practiced on their street where they've even talked to the neighbors about like, hey, my kid is going to be practicing trick or treat. Like, can you help us do this? Right. So this can mitigate the weight activation, but it's not necessarily going to get rid of it. OK, then the sixth thing I want to say and while I'm saying this, feel free to drop in some questions, you guys, because this is an interactive Q&A, um, Coffee with Casey, but I'm just starting it off with Halloween suggestions because I know that it's on many of your minds. I know that many of you are in other locations besides the U.S., but I think Halloween has gone global. So the sixth and perhaps most important thing, which ties into the first point I made, uh, made about managing expectations, is be prepared to de-escalate and diffuse as an accommodation, right? So often we think of accommodations like declarative language or strewing or co-regulation or humor as preemptive or lowering demands, preemptive accommodations to support your child's overall nervous system stress. However, we forget that like part of the nervous system disability is activation, right? It's a nervous system disability or difference. So there will be activation. And what we want to do is be prepared to diffuse and deescalate. So, you know, I expect meltdowns. So I am preparing my own nervous system for that and remembering that I have the tools to de-escalate. And there's a, I have a video on YouTube about how to de-escalate. I have one on TikTok. There's also um, a video here on, on Instagram on how to de-escalate. But 
Diffusion is when it's not a full-on meltdown and it looks like bad behavior, like whining, controlling, defiance, opposition. And that's the one that parents have the hardest time with, myself included. Okay, so the types of situations you might have of like, let's say you have a boundary of, you know, five pieces of candy <laughs> and we're only staying out until nine and it's time to reinforce that boundary of like, okay, you know, I've seen that you've already eaten five pieces of candy. It's, um, I'm going to take the rest of these until tomorrow, right? That's a boundary. That's your response to what you're observing as crossing your predetermined boundary. Before a meltdown, you might see things like, but you said we could have 10 pieces of candy, which is not true, right? Like it's just objectively not true. And your child is equalizing because they're trying to get back to a place of nervous system safety when you're setting the boundary. This is just what the disability is, right? It's gonna, they're gonna activate, they're gonna equalize. So instead of saying, no, I didn't say that, you can only have six or five pieces of candy. And then they'll say, no, you promised I would have 10. And what you're thinking in your head is like, they're lying. I need to teach them what I said. I need to show them that I'm the boss. And all of these internal monologues that you have as a parent are totally normal, but based on the logic of a brain that's not PDA. Okay, so remember that in these moments, even though it's not full blown meltdown, they are in their survival brain, the red part of the brain, which just means it's operating on a subconscious level, it's reflexive, and it's survival driven. They also can't learn in the red part of their brain. They can't learn anything. So if you're trying to explain, rationalize, extinguish the behavior, you're just driving them further into the survival brain. So the accommodation becomes diffusion, and that means we're, we're mammal to mammal trying to signal safety and get them back into the frontal lobe where they can actually think, access, empathy, rational thought, etc. So you might say, yeah, I maybe, what could you say? You could say, yeah, I know it felt like you heard me say 10 candies or like, yeah, it's really hard. Your body really wants 10 candies, right? So you're validating and diffusing without getting rid of the boundary, right? So, so the switch here is just not arguing with them, escalating the power struggle or trying to explain and get upset with them, but rather just see it as nervous system activation. How can I diffuse this moment and get them back into their frontal lobe? And it might result in a meltdown. It might not work, but prior to full-on de-escalation, we can try and diffuse. Or for example, if your child eats like, you know, that you see them sneak a sixth candy and then you're like, I saw you just ate a sixth candy, right? And they're like, no, I didn't. And in your head, you're like, they're lying. I have to teach them not to lie, right? That's a behavior. I need to teach them not to have that behavior because if I don't, they'll end up being someone who lies and then they'll never have friends or a job and never be independent. My whole life is over. I get it. It's the zero to a hundred thought process. However, we have to stop it and remember, this is just a reflexive behavior because they, they're perceiving threat, right? They, they might not even be conscious of the fact that they're doing it. So instead of arguing with them or trying to be like, you aren't telling the truth, we can simply say like, okay, honey, and then set, keep the boundary set, 
right? Like you don't have to be right. You can diffuse and keep a boundary. Okay, so this is a big mindset shift. It takes a lot of practice. It's something we work on a lot in the Paradigm Shift program. But this is a key accommodation that we work on in all facets of our life. But I'm bringing it to your attention for the the Halloween tips so that you can find more peace at least peace around the fact that like you're not doing anything wrong because the holidays are so hard, right? Like I can't solve for anyone, including my own family, how hard the, the gauntlet for our family is between Halloween and my son's birthday in January. But what I can do is take off the pressure and the judgment of myself for doing it wrong, right? So in Buddhism, there's something called the second arrow, right? So the first arrow is how much and how how difficult the holidays are, how difficult Halloween is when you see everyone else's kids looking great in their homemade costumes, listening to their parents, and you you feel it, right? It, it hurts. But then that's the first arrow. You take the second arrow and you judge yourself of like, what's wrong with me? I'm a bad parent. Why can't the holidays or Halloween look differently? And that's where we suffer more than we need to, right? So take away the second arrow. Know that all of us dislike Halloween and the holidays. And it's not because you're doing anything wrong. It's because you're raising a kid with a nervous system disability. And this is the nature of it. Thanks everyone for being here with me at the At Peace Parents podcast. This is your source for all things related to understanding, supporting, accommodating, and advocating for your PDA child. To go deeper on any of these topics, check out my course offerings and masterclasses at the website www.atpeaceparents.com. To completely transform the way you think about and relate to your child and to bring peace and stability to your home, join us for the next cohort of the Paradigm Shift program.